0: And because it was close to dinner, almost every time she would look at us and say, no. And we walk away, kind of upset, a little frustrated, and just thinking, I'm probably going to (laughs) die. But then 20 minutes would come by, we would be fine. We wouldn't have died, and we'd come back downstairs, eat dinner, and everything would be fine. But the reason she did that was because she understood that if we had eaten right then, we would have eaten a snack of like potato chips or cookies, and we wouldn't have eaten dinner. We would have been completely full off of that, and then we wouldn't have actually eaten the things that we needed. We wouldn't have gotten the nutrients that we need. And so within an hour, we would have been hungry again. At some point in all of our lives, We've all come to a point where we're hungry. I'm sure you came in today and you smelled the bread and you're thinking to yourself, that smells really good. Some of y'all are eating it right now. (laughs) Maybe today at work you were sitting at your office thinking to yourself, man, if that clock would just hurry up and hit 12, I can go to lunch and I can eat my sandwich or eat whatever you brought with you for lunch. And we've all experienced this hunger, this need for food. And that's the way God designed us. He designed us with a need to eat, to replenish ourselves. In Genesis chapter 2, he tells us that the Lord, took, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of eat him, to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. The hunger that we feel is a warning sign. It's telling us that you need to eat, you need to replenish yourself, you need to refuel And it's the same way with our spiritual life. We have a need to replenish, to bring life, to refuel our spiritual life. And so many times we go out and we attempt to refuel it with things that don't actually get the job done. And that's where we pick up tonight in the Gospel of John. Right before this we see that Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee and he's teaching and this huge crowd just gathers around him and he gets to the end of it and he looks at his disciples and he says, we need to feed these people. We can't send them home without some type of food. And the disciples look at him and they say, master, teacher, we don't have anything to feed these people. And then Jesus works a miracle. There's a boy there with five loaves of bread, two fish, and they feed 5,000 people plus there are 5,000 men, plus women and children. And then Jesus goes off and he prays. He sends his disciples across the Sea of Galilee. And then the people wake up the next morning. And that's where we'll start off in verse 22. Well, the next day, the crowd remained on the, crowd remained on the other side of the sea, saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boat and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. The people, they wake up, and they look around, and they realize Jesus is gone. He's not here anymore. He's left. They're thinking to themselves, I don't know how he did it, how he got across there, but he's not here. The first thing they think of when they, in the morning is they start to realize Jesus did a miracle yesterday. He basically did the same thing that was done in the wilderness for our forefathers back in Exodus chapter 16. In Exodus chapter 16. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, finest frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what Jesus intended for the people to realize. He intended for them to think about what had been done for them, for their forefathers in the wilderness. But he wanted them to realize that what he did right then, he was going to do something much further, something much better. And so they go to continue to look for Jesus. And then we'll pick up in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you were seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. So the people, they come to Jesus. They find him near Capernaum. And the first thing they, th- they say to him is, Teacher, how did you get here? We saw you yesterday. You went off without your disciples. You sent them across. You didn't have a boat. How did you get to this place? And Jesus looks at them and then completely sidesteps the question. He he recognizes immediately that that's not what's important. Instead, he, he looks at them and he sees their motives. He sees what they're looking for. They've come to this place looking for food, but Jesus intends for them to look for something so much more. Jesus urges them to search for eternal food. In verse 26, he tells them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are sinking not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life he realizes that they're just here just to fill themselves up. They're just here because they're hungry. They're wanting a quick fix. They're wanting to see Jesus do another miracle and fill them up again. But Jesus wants something more for them. He wants them to yearn for actual spiritual food, not just temporary earthly food. In high school, I used to run cross country. And on race days, we would run for... It was about a three-mile race. And I remember that the last mile of that race was always the toughest. Sometimes on some tracks, they would have a mile marker. And you'd come up to that two-mile marker, and you'd think to yourself, I still have another mile to go. And you'd start to realize then, I am so thirsty. You've sweated a bunch. Your mouth is parched. And you're thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it this last mile. And you were desperately anticipating to see that finish line in the distance. And when you got there, you were so thankful to get some type of water. And we're so often the same in our own lives. Except instead of trying to quench that thirst, to quench that hunger with spiritual food, we try to fill it up with earthly possessions. We focused on providing food for, and shelter for ourselves and our families, yet most of the time we'll neglect their need to read our Bibles. We focused on purchasing those school supplies and making sure our kids do well in school, but then we so often neglect to participate in family worship with them. We look for satisfaction in these earthly possessions, but we actually need to find our satisfaction in heavenly things. These earthly possessions, they'll never satisfy our hunger. But what Jesus promises, will. Jesus tells us that we need something more, and only he can provide it. Only he can sustain our life. And we'll pick up in verse 28. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him Whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers, they ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raised it up on the last day for this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. The people come to Jesus and they ask him for food and he tells them that I have something so much better and then they ask the right question. How do we get that? Where is that? What do I have to do? And Jesus tells them, you must believe in me. You must put your faith in me. Jesus wants more for his people. He wants them to experience the life that he has to give. Jesus tells them that they're looking for the wrong thing, and then he shows them exactly what they need to do to actually obtain what they need they don't need this temporary food that, Jesus, that they want. They don't need the temporary food that's going to just quench the hunger that they have right now. They actually need food that's going to satisfy a spiritual hunger. They point to the manna that came from God, saying that, that our fathers, they ate that. And Jesus points to that and says that, that, that the food that you're pointing to The food that you think that came from Moses, it didn't come from Moses. It came from God. God provided that. And he provided it as a representation of what was to come later. The bread that God gave for them that day was to point to the bread of life. And Jesus tells us that he is that bread of life. And we only obtain that bread if we believe in him. Only Christ can quench our spiritual hunger all of the other things that we put in his place, the school supplies, the food, the protection, the shelter, all of these things, they will fall short. And they will disappoint us. If we believe in the son, he will never cast us out. And so we will never lose that eternal life. The eternal life he promises us, it is kept for us in heaven forever. We are promised it if we believe. Jesus knows what we need. And it reminds me a little bit of the story that I told at the beginning. Where my sister and I, we came to our mother and we asked her for the food. But she knew right then and there that all we were going to do was fill ourselves up on junk food. All we were going to do was just eat some cookies, eat some chips. And that we were going to be temporarily satisfied. And within an hour, we would be hungry again. And she knew that what we actually needed was was something with sustenance to it. Something that actually was going to provide nutrition. And it's the same way with Jesus. He knows what we need. The Jews came to him, and they asked for a temporary satisfaction. But he promised them eternal salvation. So often, we come to him, and we focus only on our earthly needs. So often we, we go through our life and we only desire to fill those earthly satisfactions. We so often look at sports and how our teams are doing and we find joy in that. And then we go about our life and completely neglect to pray. So often we, we're so concerned about what our bank account looks like and what our, our status at our job is or about the meeting that we have at, at our work the next day. And we completely neglect to being discipled and to disciple others. And, and none of these things are bad. None of the food, the shelter, the school, our job... Money, these aren't bad things, but when we put them up on a pedestal and we make our satisfaction in them, then they become idols and they take the place of God. And Jesus tells us that these things will never satisfy us, they will never provide life, and they will always disappoint. Only Jesus can satisfy and sustain us. We'll pick back up in verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophet that they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, Then the Jews disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. The people, right after asking the correct question, right after hearing Jesus tell them that they need the bread of life, that they need him, that they need to believe in him, they immediately turn on him. They begin to grumble and become angry. They start to question who he is. They look at Jesus and like, we know you. We know who your parents are. We know where you came from. How can you say these things? They understand what Jesus is saying here. They understand that Jesus is calling himself greater than Moses, that he's calling himself as being from God. And they don't like this message. They don't like it. And so they turn on him and they grumble, and they complain, and they become angry. And even in this moment, Jesus still urges them to believe. He still desires for them to turn and repent. And he calls for us to do the same thing. In verse 53, he says that, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This isn't Jesus calling for us to be cannibals or to adopt cannibalistic actions. He's calling us to believe in him. He's wanting us to turn from our sin, and he's wanting us to taste and see the glory of God. He's wanting us to actually believe. Jesus knows that only he can give life. And if we don't believe in him, if we don't turn to him, we will never obtain this life. And we see that Jesus brings out this bread and this blood, this flesh illustration again when he talked to his disciples at the Last Supper. In Matthew 26, now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is the last time that Jesus eats a meal with his disciples before he dies. They go through the last supper. They have this meal, and then they go off to the Garden of Gethsemane. We see Jesus pray to God to remove this cup from him and to to let this burden pass by. But ultimately he asks for God to be glorified and for his will to be done. And then he's arrested and he's beaten and he's bruised, sentenced to death, and then he's crucified. He takes upon himself our punishment. He takes upon himself the wrath of God. And he dies on that cross. But then three days later he raises again and he defeats death and he declares himself as king. This is what Jesus did for us. He took upon himself our punishment, he took upon himself the wrath that we deserved. And all he does is he asks for us to believe in him, he asks for us to turn from our sin and put our faith and trust in him. For believers, we see that this is an encouragement. Urgent request for us, to, for us to, to taste of the bread that Jesus has promised. Just like with our own physical body, if we don't pour into it, if we don't give ourselves food, we cannot go about doing our day-to-day lives. We'll, we'll finally die. And it's the same with our spiritual life. If we're not feeding ourselves spiritually, we will not grow. We won't become more like Christ. So I urge you today pour into your Bible, pray, become more like Christ. Christianity is not a passive religion. We have to be actively seeking for God every day. So get into your word, pray to God, ask God to give you a desire to, pray, to read the word. Look for opportunities to serve in the church. Be a part of the bride. And for unbelievers, if you have not experienced this, if you have not believed in Christ, today is the day to do this. Jesus requested for the Jews to turn and believe in him. He told them that I am the bread of life, and you can obtain this if you believe. In Romans 10, Paul tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Jesus calls for us to believe in him. He calls for us to eat of the bread of life. He calls for us to follow after him. So this evening I call upon you all to take and eat the bread for it is the life for all who believe. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear my Father, just thank you for the opportunity we've had just to to worship you, to learn about you, and to grow closer to you, Father. Father, just help us to apply these words to our, our lives, Father. Help us to grow closer to you Help us to strive to to want to taste of the bread that you've promised, Father. Give us a desire to be in your word, Father. Give us a desire to pray to you. God, give us a desire to to serve. God, we just pray that if any here tonight are not saved, that they turn from you, Father. God, I just pray that we find opportunities to go throughout our lives day-to-day lives and in our neighborhoods and our our communities, in this city, in this country, and in this world, and find opportunities to, to spread the gospel so that others can believe this message. They can hear it and turn to you so they can also experience this life that you promise. Thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.